This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by Fish Flight Entertainment. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. I'm your host, Sabrina Ferminger. My mission is to pull back the curtain on Vancouver's film and television industry and expose its beating heart, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom style, by getting deep and down and a little dirty with the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T. Today, you're, <laughs> you're laughing because I, I got like visibly excited because today we are welcoming Jill Morrison to the YBS Screen Scene Podcast. Woo! Okay. Oh, I like that. Thanks. Can you just be here forever making that sound? <laughs> All right. I, I did write something, so. <clears throat> Jill Morrison doesn't even go here. She just has a lot of feelings. <laughs> I'm not being mean. I'm alluding to Jill's very first role, that of the girl who doesn't even go here in Tina Fey's Mean Girls. I love Mean Girls. I've been trying to make Fetch happen for years. I believe it's going to happen. And I've loved Jill's iconic moment in that iconic film for just as long. What's amazing is that that role sprung from Jill's very first audition. It was her very first job, and it kicked off a career that has seen Jill bring in the funny in an array of film and television projects, including The Good Doctor, a series of unfortunate events, multiple Hallmark... You know what? In Vancouver, you gotta say Hallmark properly. Multiple Hallmark projects. And City TV's shot in Vancouver but set in Toronto sitcom package deal. And it's a particularly good moment to be a fan of Jill Morrison. This winter, she can be seen in the highly anticipated sequel to To All the Boys I've Loved Before called To All the Boys, colon, P.S. I Still Love You, as well as The Healing Powers of Dude and the second season of Project Blue Book. So today... We're going to talk about the baking cakes with rainbows and smiles and all of Jill's feelings. We're going to talk about funny. Thank you. I love that you're appreciating this. This is like yes. for a very specific sliver of the audience. We're like, oh my God. It's awesome. Uh, we're going to talk about funny and finding the funny. We're going to talk about teaching because Jill is a popular and in-demand acting teacher. And we're going to talk about what it takes to build a career like Jill's and what she wants moving forward into this new year. Jill Morrison, welcome to the YBS Green Scene Podcast. Thank you. Um, I was worried when I sat down to write this intro uh, about including the Mean Girls, uh, like anchoring the whole whole thesis statement in the Mean Girls uh, clip uh, because I was worried that you might be tired of it. Mm-mm. by this but you're not no you're no. like you're into it i'm thankful for yeah. it and i did i've watched it so many times before and this morning i did watch it like so <laughs> many more times um but can, like, and we're gonna go we're gonna go full origin story we're gonna talk about all sorts of things but like why don't we begin with that okay um and so tell like 
I, I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and actually, when I was looking at stuff today, there is a lot of people who cosplay as Damien. Like, there's a lot of people oh, who, really? who do the hoodie and the glasses <laughs> and all of that. And there's, like, all these Etsy, Etsy stuff, like, from that, from that moment. Oh. So for a lot of people, it's a... Uh, they love it, but you know, tell me about your relationship with that particular project, and you know what it what what you remember about it, what it represents for you. Because well, I know what it represents for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, it's it's really been so interesting because every you know few years there's a new generation of of younger fans, mm. uh, the tweens, and I really enjoy. Uh, that age and their reaction to it. Yeah. Um, so it's neat to be able to have a new group every few years. And then, of course, the the classic has been a fan of it for so many years. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was my first job, uh, my first audition. It was my first time on set. And I had to do the scene in front of about 500 extras. Oh, my God. And Tina Fey and... You know, and um, and the low hand, the, the low hand. <laughs> yeah, that was quite interesting. Um, <laughs> okay, we'll put a pin in that. Return to that in a minute. <laughs> yes. yep. um, but uh, I was pretty much very scared. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you were scared, eh? Oh yeah. No, is this like had you had you wanted a career in film? Like, is this was this did this moment represent like the culmination of a long held dream for you? For sure. Yeah. I always wanted to be in the movies, um, but of course went to theater school and was, did like the classic Shakespeare theater school, which I'm so happy I did because, yeah. you know, I love the training that I have. But so I was very sharp because I'd just gotten out of theater school. Yeah. Um, but the director, he really challenged me. Um, I probably did that scene 30 times in 30 different ways. Wow. So he just he was just like, do it like this, action, do it like this, action, do it like this, action, just different ways, one after the other. Whoa. And because I was, you know, much sharper probably than I am now. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we? Oh. <laughs> yes. Um, it just, you know, and then when I f- saw the the take they, they chose, of course, I hated it at first because you hate everything at first when you see it. And yeah. then I realized, oh, that's normal to hate it at first. And yeah. then you like it a little bit later. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's done so much for me. I'm grateful for it because uh, it's opened a lot of doors for me. So um and and I have a lifelong friend now with with Lacey. We're we're pals, so it's been um, it's been pretty great. Yeah, yeah. Now uh, let's talk some specifics okay. then about that day. So you mentioned that you had to do the takes so many times, yeah. and you did have. I mean, there were some heavyweights in that in that scene as well. Tell me about working with with Tina Fey and with La Lohan, you know, and uh, and and what you feel comfortable saying <laughs> about each of them and what you learned yeah. from them in that moment, especially considering that it was your first job. Yeah. Um, Tina Fey was so nice. Uh, I really enjoyed her, um, mostly at the rap party where oh. I got to have a couple of drinks with her and Amy Poehler, and Amy Poehler was doing this hilarious dancing in front of me like I felt like I was front row seats to SNL so yeah. I did shots with them and it was the greatest yeah but, but you know that's besides the point um <laughs> but uh, it's a good flex of a story though yeah. it needs to be told yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh 
yeah, I mean, Lindsay was a child at the time, uh, 17, and uh, she was, she was, um, I mean, we can read a lot into that silence and the the pregnant pause that's there. Yeah, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to besmirch her, besmirch her, but um, she was, uh, you know, probably a little bit of a brat. Yeah. But uh, so that was interesting. Yeah. Seeing the reaction that it was happening, you know, with the crew and the director. Um, but. Yeah, especially on your first day. Yeah. As well. Like I can imagine that that leaves an imp- impression on you. Yeah. You know, do you think it gave you. Do you think the experience of Mean Girls working with that lo- that level of talent, whether it's, you know, it was whether they were nice or not, you know, um, and it being your first audition and that kind of project. Do you think it gave you like a a skewed idea of the industry at all? You know, like like the fact that that I don't want to say that it came easy because it didn't come easy, but you did book a huge ass like iconic uh, film and scene for your very first gig. Right. And you're working with that level of talent. So, you know, like how do you how do you think it changed your your perspective or like what kind of perspective did it? Or, or POV do you think it gave you, you yeah. know, as you entered the industry? Yeah, it's such an interesting question because, you know, looking looking in the past 15 years of, of, of since doing Mean Girls, there's been so many, you know, ups and downs. But I, I booked that, and then the next job I booked was actually a lead in a Disney film. When I, I worked with Kaylee Kuko, and, um, and I didn't even know how to hit a mark, pretty much. Uh. So they had to teach me how to hit a mark. And I made all this money and I spent it very quickly. Nice. <laughs> and it was just, I was like, what's everybody complaining about? This is so easy. And then I didn't work for I a love year and a shimmy. half. Yeah. She's doing a shimmy. <laughs> what, what do you think? Did you get any feedback at, like about what it was about you that these these casting people and the directors were seeing? Like what it was that even though you didn't know anything, there was like that they... There was what was the Jill Morrison quality? I think it was my training. I think it was my training. training. I think it was four years of intense theater school, and uh, I just really, always very much dedicated myself to my to the words and to the script, and I still do. I have very high standards. Unfortunately, I'm quite self critical. Mm. I'm sure you've never heard that before from actors. Never ever. No. How strange. (laughs) Um, But. I just I think I, I remember that when I booked that Disney film, the the director, Stuart Gillard, asked me, "Where did you train?" And I was and I was like, "Oh, here." Um, but uh, the University of Windsor Bachelor of Fine Arts program, like in the armpit of Ontario, but mm-hmm, it was great mm-hmm. training, and uh, I feel that I think that's why I think that um, I. Uh, I, I not only was trying to be funny, but I also had a, a solid craft of, of 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 being an actor. Yeah, um, you brought up funny. Mm-hmm. You bring the funny. You bring the funny. We've had many a laugh together. Yes. Some of which that I'm not going to talk about on the record. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, do you like what? What are some of your thoughts about about funny? It's always funny to talk about funny, funny with yeah. funny people, you yeah. know, because then the conversation can end up not being funny, right, at all. But do you think that every actor has the potential to be funny, or do you see actors, you know, who are trying to be funny making some kind of mistake? Like, talk to me about funny. 
Yeah, I do think you can learn to be funny, especially if you um, really pay attention to, say, a good script and the formula of a script, say, like a sitcom, and how um, they write these like a mathematical equation. And if you can start to understand um, how to set up jokes and how to deliver a line and how to punch certain things, um, and if you understand that it's important to make strong uh, decisions and to not um, for me I think I've never been afraid to you know go bold or to to try different things or to go to the extreme uh, with characters maybe also has been a fault too maybe hmm. another reason why like I haven't booked certain things but why I have booked certain things so um, I think if you can if you can push your yourself and explore those different sides of you um, and uh and, and the more comedy you watch, the, the more you're going to understand it and how things are to be delivered. Yeah. Um, do you think it's, it's the same? Do the same rules apply equally for women performers as they do for men or men ad- identifying performers? You know, like, are, is, are the, is the situation different for funny women? Is, is comedy different when the comedy is, is being performed by women? That's a really interesting question. I, I do like to have one or two. Yes, you know, if my we're talk very academically wow. and philosophically about comedy here. Why have you screening podcast? Yeah, I've never thought about that before, but but I think so because you know it, it's easy to fall back. I think on things that um, oh, if I just do my boobs like this, or if I make myself, you know this kind of stereotypical woman then maybe that's funny but if you find comedy uh, within a a strong human um, who's intelligent and you know versatile I think yeah I mean to be able to not fall back on what people might expect but to offer something different yeah does that make sense Absolutely, it makes sense. What is a Jill Morrison role? Like that I, that I want to play or that I had played? What qualities are, oh. do you look for in a role? Um, that, like when, like that make you get so excited, excited, you know? Like when are you the most fulfilled and engaged? And we're doing a lot of shimmying today. This I, is like I the really, shimmying. I really like to yeah, shimmy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and we've shimmied, Jill Morrison. How we have shimmied. We sure have. You know, but like what gets you like super jazzed? Um, any kind of powerful woman hmm. who I love sarcastic characters. I love characters who um, are positive. Sometimes I also enjoy when they're self-destructive um those things mixed together because i i can relate to that can you give me a specific example from your filmography then of a character who who met all of those criteria well probably silly enough would probably be package deal yeah because the character i played in it nikki was uh very opinionated smart yeah but very self-centered an alcoholic yeah and very promiscuous but not in a demeaning manner in a powerful 
I want to do what I want, so this is what I'm going to do kind of way. So I think her. What I love about Package Deal as well is the fact that it was one of these rare um, taped in front of a live studio audience sitcoms that we don't get a lot of out here, you know, but I can imagine, you know, somebody like you, you got to, you know, do your thing, shimmy and be funny and powerful and sexy and flawed and fucked up playing this glorious. The only kind of character I think is similar would be like Karen from Will and Grace, right? Like that kind of that character. But you got to do it in front of a theater audience, pretty essentially, you know. So um, and that was actually I did visit the set once and did interviews and you weren't there. Yeah. How rude. It was incredibly. I'm going to make some calls. Rude. Yeah. (laughs) 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 But you know what? What I found interesting, too, about the package deal moment in in the Vancouver, you know, film and TV history is that, you know, we there are a few more shows that have that they're like that we've had in recent years, you know, a lot geared towards like kids. Um, But we don't often get the chance to have those kind of comedy shows out here, you know. Like, so what can you tell me about like the the opportunities that are available uh, available to someone like yourself, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the to do funny in the the film and TV scene here, yeah, you know, because we, I mean, we have our our definitely we have the romantic comedies mm-hmm. that we do get here. Um, you know, but it's not, We maybe we're getting more now, but you know, the body, the body, B-A-W, I'm shimmying again. Shimmy God, this girl. is the day that I wish we had the, the visual <laughs> podcast, you know, like, but it, yeah, it's, it's we have a lot more like sci-fi shows mm-hmm. and and uh, and films, mm-hmm. you know, so t- so what are your thoughts, Jim Well, you know, I lived in LA for a few years and auditioning there is really quite spectacular because you go out for things that... I, you know, you just, they would be a dream come true and they're right up my alley in terms yeah. of sitcoms and that kind of thing. Living there isn't, you know, easy. But building um, a comedy career in a town like Vancouver, um, you know, you don't even realize that, that that's what you did. Yeah. Um, but I always knew um, that going out for like the best friend and these romantic comedies that probably my my in would be to to make the character funny Mm. um but then i had to really figure out when and where and what kind of comedy plays in each of these kinds of shows like when i do the hallmark i have to be more subtle comedy and the sci-fi they like their little witty jab so you know, I, I have been able to slot into there as well, but just really figuring out with the different genres here where to to put the humor and when to, you know, ease back on it. And yeah. also to realize that um, I have other values too, because sometimes I'd be like, oh, the only way I can win, get this if, is if I'm funny. But I had to really, you know, learn that, that there's more to me than than that. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I've been able to do a few sitcoms here. Um, Imaginary Mary, even though it didn't go very very far, just had one season. Mm-hmm. And then Healing Powers of Dude. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, Package Deal. Um, but uh, being in sitcoms would be would be a dream for me. Yeah. Um, so I guess then my question is like, I mean, you did say that you did live in LA. Like, yeah. why why have you chosen to make your home then in Vancouver? Um, well, I was there when uh, 
Trump was elected. And then uh, uh, I actually had to, yeah, I actually had to come home because my doggy, which of course we've talked about, yeah. was ill. And so I wanted her to be taken care of properly. Um, so I, I came home with her. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And then, you know, she passed. Um, so I do want to go back and I still have all my stuff there. Um, <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And I am going in a a couple of weeks to go to the All the Boys I Love Before 2 uh, premiere. Yeah. Um, so it's not something that I'm not going to pursue. It's just, it's so busy here. And it's really hard to say no to the work you can get here. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I like my creams. Yeah. <laughs> same girl, same. Yeah. And my collagen. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's do some time travel. Okay. I want to I want to know who you were when you were nine years old. Oh. And I picked nine because that's the age that my daughter is now. And Cute. I'm like, I feel like when you're nine, like you're you're in like it's very pure childhood kind yeah. of form, you know? Like you've shed a lot of like the 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 baby you know things and now you have a clear idea of who you are and what you want to be when you grow up so so who were you when you were nine years old and what did you love to do well I loved all things girly Mm -hmm. still do Mm -hmm. pink and everything uh dolls uh well you were admiring my gem doll I was yeah I remember gem so well were you more of a hologram fan or a misfit fan I think I was a hologram fan yeah yeah just loved, loved all that stuff. Yeah, the pink stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was huge. I knew I wanted to be an actor when I was very little. Um, so I loved uh, watching mostly Spielberg. Spielberg is really what ignited me as a kid. Yeah. And as an adult. Um, but uh, like, are we talking like E.T.? Or yeah. Are we talking, Hook yeah. and all those, I guess. Um, and uh, it's hard to say. I mean, I grew up in a a house with a bunch of girls and my dad and always a bunch of animals. So I'm a huge animal lover. Um, I was always outside. Um, I spent a lot of time alone and I still do. Um, But uh, I, I remember we had this forest and I called it the imagination forest. And I would go in there and just spend hours pretending and acting. And I did that well into teenagehood. Um, So I just spent a lot of time in my head making up stories and doing characters and I'd watch movies and then reenact the movies and the scenes. And- Can you give me an example, like what movies were you acting in the imagination forest? uh, Jurassic Park. Oh, And I would literally dress in like the outfit Laura Dern wore. Okay. And I would run and do and reenact the scenes. Hook. I did Hook a lot. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> I'm picturing it. Also, I mean, it's such a different time now. I can't be, like imagine telling my kid, okay, go play in the forest for a few hours. We'll see you soon. Right. You know, very, very different. But, you know, did you did you come from like creative people? Like was, when you're, when you were there and you were dreaming, like, did a career in entertainment seem like a a, a possibility? I it could be something you dream, but was it something that you felt was like far off, like a, like a far away dream, or something that you thought was practical, practical and possible? I never thought that I wouldn't be an actor. Yeah. I always believed that, and I 
grew up in a very small town. I mean, what town? Well, so I was born here in BC, but we moved to Ontario when I was 13. Okay, where? Uh, on uh, Paris, Ontario, Guelph. Yeah. yeah. So it's a very small, it was a small country town. So there was no drama or anything. But from when I was little, I wanted to be in drama. So I did a lot of community theater. Mm-hmm. So my parents would, you know, drive me and I did all these like. Very so they were supportive. Oh, yeah. And um, my dad was a electrician and a union leader and my mom was a nurse. But there are a lot of creatives in our family. Oh, I love an electrician and a union leader and a nurse? Those yeah. are some hardworking people that yeah. you're from. Yeah. Oh, well, that explains your work ethic, Jill Morrison. That's why we moved, because yeah. my dad uh, was promoted. Okay. He came from, you know, just, you know, being working on the lines. And then he, he was, before he passed, he was going to be the, the head of, of the president of, of his union, IBW. So he really... You know, he worked very hard to get to, to where he was. Yeah. So they were supportive in the fact that, you know, they weren't like getting me an agent or, you know, but they drove me to all my play rehearsals. Yeah. And uh, what did they think of what you wanted to do and what you were doing? Like, with like, oh, that's that's Jill's thing. Or were they like, yeah, go for it. You can totally do this. Or Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I think a few times they were like, don't you want to be like a nurse? Um, but... They really encouraged uh, my uh, my sense of humor right f- from when I was little. Yeah. So it was my dad was very goofy. So oh, okay. it was a big part of uh, our house. Um, but no, you know it's hard because my dad died when I was in the middle of theater school. Oh. Yeah, and so he only saw me in one play that I you know like maybe a couple silly plays as a teenager. But he saw me in one play um, before he died. And he was very impressed and very proud of me and going on about how, how good how good I was. Mm. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think they've always been very, and of course, he, he hasn't been here for, for my career, but, but my mom has been very, very supportive, especially early on when you know you're like you're totally broke she'd just like give me checks and so now I'm like try to pay it back and buy her lots of nice presents at Christmas oh you're such a good girl and actually I just flashed back I think the first time that I interviewed you was for an article that was like your top Christmas picks that's right and most of them I think were for dogs yeah, they were for my Gidget at yeah. the time. <laughs> they yeah, they were for your Gidget. Yeah. 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 Oh, that I, I completely forgot about that. I will have to find that. Yeah, I remember doing that with you. I will have to find that article. That was way back when. Yeah, yeah. yeah and it was over the phone. Yeah. So it was before we had our off the right. I, don't, I guess I'm, uh, people must be like, what are you guys talking about? Like, was this some kind of scandalous night that you guys like, yeah, kind of was. It was yeah. fun. It was so fun. <laughs> it was so fun. Okay. Um... I think I want to take a break. Mm -hmm. And when we come back, I want to talk about teaching. Okay. And then I want to throw a bunch of roles at you. Okay. A a bunch of questions about roles. I'm not sitting here with like, I have this bag (laughs) of bread rolls and I'm going to fling them at you and then you have to perform, Jill. You got to perform. I have toilet paper (laughs) rolls right here. (laughs) Oh, wow. In a battle between bread rolls and and toilet toilet paper paper rolls. Yeah, I think the the bread rolls. So these are they're day olds. Yeah. So when they land, they're really gonna pierce. It's gonna hurt. But you can. These leave. are recycled 
from Whole Foods, very expensive, yeah. very carbony. And you're dipping them in paper right now, yeah. and that's gonna or in water. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, you are. That's gonna that's gonna be hard to deal with. Okay, so ceasefire. When we come back. <laughs> uh, we're gonna talk about. Um, I'm gonna throw a bunch of questions at you okay. about roles, and you're not gonna have any time to think. You just have to speak. Okay. Yeah, and then we'll talk about uh, some of the projects you have coming up. Okay, great. How's that for a cliffhanger? It sounds pretty great. I like let's it. Ta- I don't know what the sax is coming from. I like it so much. Okay, let's take that break. Oh, my God. This ad begins with a story about an important but largely forgotten piece of Hollywood North history, the fish flight. In the 1980s, the fish flight was an early morning flight from Vancouver that delivered fresh fish to Los Angeles before the start of the business day. These were the early days of Hollywood North, before digital deliveries and fast transfer speeds, and the pioneers of the Vancouver film industry began loading up the fish flight with film reels so Hollywood execs could review the footage shot on the previous day. The fish flight was also one of the building blocks of the visual effects and animation mecca that is present-day Vancouver. And Fish Flight Entertainment builds on this legacy. Fish Flight Entertainment serves the games, film, and television industries. We remember the days of the fish flight and attack our projects with the same passion as those pioneering days of yore. We believe in jumping off the cliff and building our wings on the way down. And who knows? That old fish with improvised wings may even fly. Learn more about Fish Flight Entertainment at fishflightentertainment.com. That's fishflightentertainment.com. Improv, though, that's like a big part of it, right? Mm, You you just, you brought the improv game in here and yeah. I was like I have to say yes to everything yes you do yeah <laughs> <laughs> honestly I don't have um I don't have the confidence I, I'm too much of a scaredy cat to do anything that has to do with improv and you're I, so like, witty yeah oh well thank you but yeah. I, I this is all fixed in post though if there's any wit <laughs> it's we're fixing it after I mean this is all created by AI technology after okay so I want to um, I'm gonna just throw a bunch of questions at you okay okay what's the favorite role you've ever played Nikki Packersteel. Uh what was the worst role that you've ever played Oh my God! Um, uh, uh, oh, oh! It was in this movie. Oh, Psych on Psych. Oh right. What, was, what didn't you like about that role? Uh, the director. He was such a beep. Well, we haven't had real time beeping yet. Um, what kind of role scares the crap out of you? Um. Ones where I have to be um, maybe um, oversexed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what's a role that you haven't played yet that you yearn to play? Um, I want to play like um, a very sharp-witted um maybe maybe a little bit intimidating maybe a little mean fierce um like a like the principal of a school and like a like a sitcom you know like just you just got like three inches taller as you were saying you know what I'm saying you commanded the space more I love it there are no more questions like that um when okay so as a teacher though you know I'm assuming there's you know you have students that come to your class and you know they they they've 
see that Jill Morrison's going to be teaching them. And so they go on your IMDb and like, oh, my God, she did this, she did that. You know, and then they come to class and like, so what are some of the things that they they say to you about what they want from their careers, mm. you know, and, and what kind of misconceptions are they bringing with them into the classroom that you have to kind of like course correct mm. as they go on their way? Mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the reasons why um, my students connect with me is because I'm pretty honest about myself as an actor. And when they're having a hard time or they're not getting into rooms or they're, they don't like how their audition went or they're feeling shitty or they want to quit, um, I just really talk to them about how, you know, I understand. I've been there. I am there. Um, it's, I'm still trying to, to figure it out every day. I'm still every day working on my self-esteem so that I can go into the room and, and, and nail it because yeah. you really need that. So um, really what I inherently see is just a lot of people not believing in themselves. And that's what I really have had to work on yeah. and still work on. And so I'm just really honest with them about... Um, how I do that and how they can find their way to to do that um and I don't pretend that I have it all together and I figured it all out and I I'm completely honest about um the journey um and uh I really just try to encourage them to first of all have a good group of friends have a good group of peers um I I have really learned as a teacher to, uh, first of all, not take the class time so seriously. Um, There, you know, because I have very high standards for for acting, and I, I don't allow those standards to take over uh, helping someone grow in Mm. their craft. And the other thing I've really learned as a teacher is that no one can tell you what you can or cannot do. When people say, you can't do this part or this kind of part isn't for you, they don't know because Mm. I've had people in front of me that have completely surprised me with the work that they've done. And so that's what I always like to say. And I guess when you say, what kind of part do you want to play? I'm like, I don't even know. Like, there's so many things inside of me that I don't even, I don't even I, I know I'm going to discover yeah. um, that I am discovering now or I'm allowing to come out. So I just really try to 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 uh, form my relationships with that with yeah. them around around that, because I think that if you're training and you're doing well um, and you're working hard and you're putting all of your prep into your auditions, if you don't believe in yourself, none of that matters. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Uh, you did mention the the self esteem uh, issue, and that's yeah. kind of tied to uh, a larger issue, a monolith yeah. in the industry yeah. of an issue, uh, which is mental health. Yeah. Uh, and and there was a great article recently uh, by one of the um, the big American publications that was that the mental health that there is a mental health crisis mm. within the industry mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. and and there has been for a long time but now we we have the words 
we have more mm-hmm. of a language to mm-hmm. talk about it. Now, we've t- spent a lot of time on the show talking about about mental health, um, especially because of the nature of things like mm-hmm. auditions, you yeah. know, and um, and that, you know, you, you go in and you want somebody to tell you, you have people telling you all the time no, mm-hmm. or they don't call you back and tell you anything at all. Mm-hmm. And it might have zero to do with who you are and just about how somebody else was, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you internalize that. Like, what are some, like, some practical you know, tips or or words of wisdom that mm-hmm. you, that you give your students, or is this it, this is something that you talk to them regularly? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So tell me about how some of those conversations go, and I mean, and specifically where the concept of auditioning is concerned. Because am I correct in assuming that that can cause like because that in a lot of ways that's like where the door is, right? That's mm-hmm. the door into a job. It's mm-hmm. your job interview, mm-hmm. you know. So like it, so it can also be like uh, there's a lot of emotions tied up mm-hmm. in auditions. So t- talk to me about a little bit about that aud- that relationship between auditions and and mental health in general. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's so hard because everyone's like, oh, I did. I'm not going out for that part. Did you go out for that part? Did she booked it? He booked it. Um, and it's very difficult to uh, accept those things, especially when you feel like you should be seen for something and you're not. Yeah. Um, if you went into an audition and you feel like you blew it, um, it's really hard to, to get over, to forgive yourself. Um, you feel like you're going to be punished. You feel like casting's not going to see you. Um, but the things that have worked for me that I try to pass on to them are things that actually may not have anything to do with acting, but have to do more with, with, with believing in yourself. Mm. So, so I make sure that, that I do things like, um, I buy myself flowers at least once a week. And I always have fresh flowers in my place because it sends a message to me that, like I deserve, I deserve that. Yeah, it's uh, it's a, it's symbolic of that. Yeah. So I I I I say find your version of that. Um, also, I I think it's important to take breaks mm-hmm. uh, if you're feeling overwhelmed or upset. Um, don't don't do any acting for a day unless yeah. you have to, unless you have an audition or something. Uh, pretend for a day that. You know, go, go to the mountains, go shopping, yeah. do something that's not related to it. Um, it's like take a take a break. Yeah. Um, uh, I also, for me, things like yoga and stuff like that really help me stay um, strong mentally. Yeah. Um, so I just, you know, you, you know, Dalton, we were talking about Dalton. Oh, I will say Dalton um, is this incredible uh, young actor uh, who also uh, works at one of our founding sponsors, uh, Neverland Tea. Yes, And yes. so he's in your class. He's in my <laughs> class and he's so sweet. He's such a talented man. But last week he brought me flowers Aww. because he, he said, I know that flowers make you happy. So I brought you flowers. So... I just oh, he's think so nice. he's so nice. So I think it's just about finding that that thing that builds your self esteem so that you can because and I, I say this to my students like listen I could write a book about all the shitty things. I'm sorry, am I allowed to say S H I T? Yeah, fuck yes, you can say S H I T. 
You're allowed to swear. I'm sorry. Did I not tell you that before at the beginning of the show? That's fucking fine. No, Don't you worry. can tell. No, but I, have you been holding in all these fucks and shits? And... I, I have a potty mouth. Okay, well, no, that's good. We like that. We have an we have a explicit warning on our Yay. on Apple Podcasts. So Yay. yeah, we earn that. It's well earned. <laughs> Great. You can swear like a pirate. Oh, all right. Yeah. So yeah. S H I T. Yeah. So. Um, shit. Yes. Yeah. It's also poop. Ooh, no, okay, we don't allow that kind of language here. <laughs> Get out of here with your poops. <laughs> I can't even remember what my what I was saying. I know, it, oh, I'm so sorry. That's How okay. awful. No, it was... Uh, sh- shitty Shitty, fuck, swearing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah, so... Navigating through shit. Yeah, people, people say things, and people... Actually, I was listening to the Amanda Tapping podcast you did, and I'm such a huge Amanda Tapping fan. Yes, we but, are here as well at the White House yes. podcast. But she was talking about how people will have, you know, their opinion of you, their perspective of you, and how hard that can be. And because then you take that on, and that's how you look at yourself. Yeah. And people say things, and people have comments, and there's how many things you haven't heard that they say about you. And it's, it's, um, can very be very damaging and if and i i say this to my students if you can find a way to rise above that i promise you that it's it's worth it in the end Mm. because in the end i mean we get to do what i think is the most wonderful thing i mean i just think acting is is the greatest so despite all of the the struggle and the hardship it's it's worth it yeah and so i just try to tell them that and try to you know try to guide them to figure out how they're gonna build their confidence yeah so they can so they can do this because we're not going to change the way this industry is yeah it's it's harsh yeah um but it's exciting for for my students because there's all these streaming shows like it's such a great time to be an actor there's so many shows to be an actor to be a content creator um and i'll also say that if if anything that we've been talking about related to mental health like really resonates with you um couple things to remember uh one you are not alone in that at all this is something that that i live with that i speak quite a bit about my anxiety disorder and my panic attacks ptsd yeah. on a regular basis here um and two there is a there are a, an abundance of resources available uh one of which uh was um uh it's a ubcp actra uh and other union uh, group and it's a it's a multi-union group initiative called call time mental health and it's an online portal where they list all sorts of uh different mental health resources uh we had enid ray adams uh on here and she spoke uh with me for an hour um about uh mental health issues and she co-produced the psa that call time Mm -hmm. mental health did so Mm -hmm. i would encourage you to check out that site i will include Include a link to that in the footnotes. Okay, we're going to take a little bit of a of a departure. <laughs> we're going to go in a different direction here. I want to talk about Project a Blue Book mm-hmm. uh, because uh, second season mm-hmm. is uh, kicking off soon, and you yes. play Faye. I play Faye, um, and uh, so a little little different than yes. um, a totally different show. So, mm-hmm. first of all, do you like what? What are your like personal thoughts on things like uh, conspiracies? 
and aliens and the paranormal. <laughs> well, working I on... Have, no, we have to talk in that kind of voice. Working on Project Blue Book. Oh my God, I love that. I mean, it's. I don't expect you to keep that voice for the whole thing, but I think it sounds great. Okay, good. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, you know, I, I love doing voices. Yeah, I can I, tell. And I, I pass tell. signs and, you know, read read signs. Yeah. <laughs> in this voice. Yeah. Um, uh, it's when you're on that kind of show and you are hearing, it's a fact-based fiction show. Yeah. So when you read these scripts and you're hearing all these stories and then I'm Googling the people, I I don't know how you can't, I don't know how you can't believe that there are other other yeah. species out there. There literally was a plot, a Project Blue Book. Like yeah. that's what that's what is the most amazing thing. It's not like the um, I mean, respect must be paid to the X Files, but you know, like that's not necessarily based on a true, yeah. you know, a true u- division that existed within the FBI. Project mm-hmm. Blue Book actually existed. Existed. These two men were real men. Yeah. 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 So. So what are some of the things in that that you've learned through the show, you know, like that you you were surprised to discover, you know, were actually true? Well, we did this one episode um, about this man who was uh, taken by by the UFOs and he he would get these extreme like pulsating headaches like almost like a piercing would come down from the sky and and hit him and uh he lost his mind and he came in and um he held project blue book he like he held them at at uh by uh, by gun yeah is that the right way to say that uh, by i gun. mean by gun and you do have your you have a finger I have, gun I have happening a finger, yeah. right now <laughs> <laughs> and she's caught she cocked it and she's shooting it's, Got really dangerous in here. Yeah, I was like dodging, hiding behind my mic. <laughs> and uh, he had to convince because the the show is interesting because the two lead men, Heineck and Quinn. Heineck has no doubt, but Quinn doubts the whole time. Yeah, and so then all of these stories keep happening, and then of course Quinn sees he sees a lot, and he starts to to he starts to believe. Yeah, um, but he was holding everyone hostage until they helped him and yeah. and tried to figure out no one was listening to him. Um, so it was an, a true act of desperation to be taken seriously. Also, interestingly yeah. enough, being in 1952, he was also African-American, so he was also facing a lot of other different... Um, he was facing racism. Yes. <laughs> so, um, I mean, let's. There's no. There's no other word for what was going on, for, for what's going on now, but especially what was going on in you know mm-hmm. pre civil rights mm-hmm. era America. Mm-hmm. And then you Google, yeah. you Google this man, and yeah. there, there's his picture, and there's his wife picture. Yeah. Know? And it's just like, holy shit. Yeah. Um, this happened to these people, yeah. and no one listened to them. And now, fifty years later, the government's saying, oh, okay, you guys were right. There are aliens. Yeah. Area 51's right. And we have a whole... Area 51 is a big part of season two. Um, and uh, it's very creative. They yeah. have a lot of different kind of creative episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so just all these different stories. All, how many uh, senators and politicians were connected and involved in Blue Book, mm-hmm. which happens in season two. You'll 
you'll see quite a bit of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like so many people knew. Yeah. And it's a period piece. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so t- tell me a bit about the joys and challenges of playing this, you know, this dynamic 1950s lady. The biggest challenge, yeah. in all honesty. She's a real dame. She's a real <laughs> dame. Look at those gams. <laughs> She's a gutsy dame. <laughs> is the, is the, the bra and the, under, the underclothing. Yeah. They want, they of course want the look complete. So you have to wear the whole... And it is. It's a true kitten caboodle. It is highly <laughs> uncomfortable. Yeah. So this boning, boning, yeah, and then like the cone, whole, the cone, torpedo boobs. Yeah. Every, all of it. Wow. Um, but it is honestly such a joyful set, yeah. and and because it's high budgeted, they really let's do it again and just feel it out. Maybe try this. You know what? Let's try this, and it's just very. I lo- I'm sorry. I just was picturing a 1950s, like or 1930s even Bugsby Berkeley type director. You know, like a sweater tied Come around. Come on, his Kate. Legs. Yeah, <laughs> holding cigar. a cigar. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly how it is. Okay, wow. That's a, that is a big budget. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's pretty open to being able to present and do really good work. Yeah. Um, yeah. Totally different show mm-hmm. again to all the boys. Colon, P.S. I, I still love you. Yes. Um, that trailer, right? BT Dub, cute. I've watched it so many times. It cute. is so cute, very yeah. scandalous. Yes. Uh, and then there you are. There yes. I, I made the trailer. <laughs> you made the trailer. That's always a nice, a very yes. nice thing to make the trailer. Yes. Um, you know. So tell me about the. Uh, I mean, first of all, like respect must be paid to the streaming services for bringing this this work to Vancouver. Yes, telling sto- the stories that we haven't got had the chance to see before. You know, mm-hmm. this is a story that you know it is it's uh, based on very best selling books and mm-hmm. about you know young women of color mm-hmm. and you know we have not normally had the chance to hear those stories told from that perspective. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah, what were some of the um the the memorable moments that you had on on that set and and who did you play? Because like uh, in the re- in what I saw. You you have a reaction because yes. something bad happens. Well, she um, she goes to work at uh, old folks home. Yeah, and I run the old folks home. And uh, Holland Taylor, you know, um, uh, oh, I can't think of a show she's in right now. It's the one with Charlie Sheen that that comedy. The, the old two and a half men. Yeah, she's the mom in two and a half oh, okay. men. Yeah, she was she was there. I mean, we could have googled it, right? You know, but you found it. I mean, in my brain, it was yeah, some, it was it somewhere was in there. there. Good for you. Yeah, too many But she was in. She's in it, so that was pretty amazing to me. Yeah. Um, and uh, had you watched the first one or read the book? Yes, yeah. I, I watched it quite a bit to prep for the audition, and then when I booked it, I watched it quite a few times. Yeah, um, what do you mean quite a few? Like you actually would just watch it over and uh, yeah, over. And I do that pretty regularly um, when I'm preparing for stuff uh, because even if say I'm auditioning for. Um, for like like a sitcom like I, I'll watch sitcoms over just to get the pacing and the the tone and to get in touch with that um so I always always watch if it's not the show I watch something that aligns with that kind of tone yeah to inspire me to uh yeah um so that show was fun because they wanted improvisers 
for all the boys I loved before yeah. too. So I did a lot of improvising in the initial audition, and then on set, they the director and he's also the director of photography, which was amazing. Um, that was great. Yeah, it was awesome when that he, happens. Yeah, he was awesome, and uh, it's two and one. Yeah, two and one, <laughs> <laughs> and he can get exactly what he envisions. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a very nice set. And um, he'd just be like, great, do it again. Do something. Do something different. Say something else. So I was like, okay, okay. So so then in between each shot, I'm like, something funny, something funny, something funny. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess what um, what's interesting is it also kind of brings us full circle because that's kind of what happened on the set of, of Mean Girls, right? Was you had to improvise and, and that was about doing things in a... In a different way. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm curious. You mentioned uh, we were talking about auditions. Yeah. We talked about it throughout. Um, you booked your very first job at your first audition. Mm-hmm. So I would assume that you, you, you've, you've booked some other work. So you, you know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Is there like a key, a magic key to success to open the doors of auditions? Like, is there something that, that like a certain mindset or something that you need to keep in mind that like will, will help you when you go in, you know, to, into the room, you know, like, like, or is it, is it about self-esteem? Cause which we were talking about or tell me, Jill, I don't know why I, when we're talking normal, I call you Jill, but here I call you Jill Morrison. I like it. Yeah. Um, Yes, absolutely. The self-esteem. They, if you walk into the room or leave the room in any kind of self-deprecating manner, they're most likely not going to hire you because um, they want confidence. So I think it is really about finding a healthy ego or uh, faking it when you go into the room. Um, For me, I really try to find a creative twist or turn with the words or the lines without moving away from the story, which I think um, probably had been an early mistake for me. I'd be like, oh, I'm just going to do it like this and I'm going to do this. She's shimmying again. (laughs) (laughs) There's some hand things going on. I'm going to do it like this. do it like this. I'm like, that's clever. And then, you know, we're like, like why don't I to being a funny actress? It's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're we're a funny comedy podcast now. I'm shimmying. I'm doing this arm thing. Hey, kid. Yeah. So I, we, I, I'm sorry. I keep like derailing everything you're saying. I fucking love it with like shimmies and stuff. I like. I like it. But like, did you have you know because you did go and you booked your very first audition and stuff? Mm-hmm. Like, did you have were you bursting with self confidence and self esteem and shimmying all over the place? Like, or like what kind of headset did you have? Mindset, not a headset. Did you have you know <laughs> Madonna headset? You going Madonna bug, co- bug, bug. Yeah. cone bra? Yeah, <laughs> I just wore a cone bra to every audition. Yeah, and okay. They seem to work. Yeah, <laughs> um, I I <clears throat> I don't think I realized how uh, cool that is until much later. Yeah. Um, it's what, now. confidence or no, the cone bra? Booking, co- oh, both, <laughs> all of it. <laughs> or booking Mean Girls from yes. your first audition. Yes. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. it's all cool. Yeah. Yeah, no, so you didn't know. You didn't know at the time. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't realize, and now I'm like, holy shit, girl, you booked that. Great. Yeah. But at the time, it, it, it was so just self, like ignorance was bliss. I just think... I don't know. I think probably because 
you have these dreams and you just I just never thought that my dreams wouldn't like I always thought that it would happen in some manner I guess like I always knew I would be an actor yeah um but I think I didn't have a, a deep enough understanding of the business and actually how difficult it is to, to book something yeah. and how many things are against you. So I, I didn't know that till years later. So years later, especially the outcome Mean Girls has had and the, the cult following and the, the doors that it's opened, um, the movie that it is, I, ha- I, I had no idea at the time that yeah. it was that it was something that was gonna be so impactful on my life. Does that make sense? Everything you say makes sense. I, I do that when I'm teaching. Yeah. I say something like, does that make sense? <laughs> and they're like, yes. I've also heard that your classes often run very late. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, well, hey, hey Dalton, how are you today? Having he's like tired. Martinez. I'm so tired. Yes. <laughs> oh, Jill kept us working really late last night. <laughs> you know, that's why I don't work like these specific days because I have to sleep off, you know, I have to sleep late those days. <laughs> Sorry, Dalton, I'm sharing all your secrets. <laughs> we love you. I half blame them. <laughs> Because <gasps> I, I you blamed your students. I blame them. You hear me, you guys. Wow. <laughs> I because I, I really I love the environment that my class is in the fact that it's like we laugh. Like there's a lot of laughter and a lot of love. No, I'm so shocked. On that <laughs> yeah, totally shocked. You know. So yeah. I and um, they talk a lot. You know. And if someone's having a bad day. Actors talk a lot. I know it's shocking. I, somebody should make a podcast about that. <laughs> <laughs> but do you go to class as well? Like yes, as I as do. a student? Yeah, yeah I was yeah. just there last night. I go to scene study class on Sunday nights at Haven Studios. Ben oh, Ratner's class. Okay. So I feel that it's really um, it just keeps me really sharp. Yeah, it keeps, you are so sharp. Thank you. I don't <laughs> I don't feel sharp. <laughs> um, and uh, it's just I enjoy it without having the pressure of booking this part or doing this it's just it's acting and I sit and love watching other people act and there's not pressure for me also to be the teacher and give feedback I can just enjoy it yeah um so I go yeah and it keeps me you know going to rehearsals and learning lines on these big beautiful scripts that I don't get to work on normally you know I'm working on an Edward Albee right now oh wow yeah so I worked on Tennessee Williams last month so it's just it goes back to my to what I used to do you know when I was in theater school and a few years after you know um the the theater the theater. the theater. That mid-Atlantic accent that doesn't exist anywhere else, but in like the 1930s and 40s. <laughs> yes. Plays in the, yes, the theater. The theater. So I guess let's end with what the fuck. Yeah. Um, those what the fuck moments. Not what the fuck, oh God. But like what, the, do you, like, what are those moments where you're like, what the fuck, this is actually my life? You know, when in your career do you have those? Yeah, um... Besides right now, I mean, (laughs) right? What the fuck? I've been saying that the whole time. Um, Yeah, I guess guess it happens often when people make a big deal about me or even like my students will or people I meet will make a big deal about me and... For me, I'm like I'm just, I'm just Jill. Like what the? 
No. What's happening? I do love your inner voice. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. So what some the fuck? Yeah, so sometimes I you know, when people will be like, "I'm so intimidated by you." And I'll be like, "Why?" <laughs> and I'll be like, "You know, cuz you're you." And I'll be like, "What the fuck?" Um and then I guess when I'm at events or uh, screenings or premieres um, and people are taking pictures and being like Jill, 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 Jill and I'm just like I'm sorry, who is this <laughs> 1940s cameraman with the big camera bulb? I never see him at events <laughs> Jill, Jill over here, Jill He's my personal <laughs> <laughs> One for the papers <laughs> yeah. You're so fun at events That's the only thing I'll say about the our recent experience. Yes, yes. Yeah. We had a good time. We had a good time. Yes. Well, thank you for being part of some of my favorite what the fuck moments. Thank Jill you. Mo- Jill Morrison. Thank you. Okay, Jill. <laughs> Jill Morrison, where can our fans find you on the social media? Uh, um, well, I'm on Instagram. Um, Jilly <laughs> Morrison. <laughs> I believe it is. Jilly Morrison. I'm on the Twitter. Yeah. I'm on their Twitter. You tweet. I, I'm, I'm tweet. Yeah. Um, I think that's it. Yeah, that's that's cool. Isn't that it? That's it. Are we supposed I, to be on something else? No. Uh, so my daughter. Yeah. Um, she's just cooler than us. I'm sorry, because she's nine, so she's cool and she she's knows hip. everything. Yeah. So she she loves the TikTok. Oh, I've heard about this. Yeah. So, oh, the kids yeah. have been talking about this. Yeah. The TikTok. The TikTok. And I I uh, I think I'm good. And then there's also like streaming, like like Twitch. You know, and that's uh, I've got to do. I'm gonna do an episode where I go through like all of the different like platforms, social media platforms and services. You know, to and in a way to like kind of give like the Vancouver film industry like a four one one on like <laughs> the tools they should be yes, using and putting. Their that would be in. amazing. Yeah. Okay, I will offer this public service. I just learned uh, what TikTok is from my ten year old niece. Okay. So yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Um, we're cool. You were in Mean Girls. I have a podcast. Exactly. I'm. That's exactly it. Yeah, and I will keep trying to make fetch happen. All right. <laughs> I will put links to uh, to Jill Morrison's social media accounts in the footnotes for this episode. And to you, our listeners, I say thank you so much for listening. Please like and subscribe and leave us a review if you are so inclined. They help us find even more listeners. You can find us at www.yvrscreenscene.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at YVR Screen Scene. The YVR Screen Scene podcast is host. I don't know. I'm doing that. I'm doing I that really voice. like it. The y- I'll see if I- okay. Let's see how long I keep going. <clears throat> the YVR Screen Scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, Sabrina Firminger. And it's produced and edited by Simon Firminger. Special thanks to Mariana Firminger for recording our Patreon ad. And to Tyson Braddock and Paul Firminger, we're family business, for technical support. I think I like it. 1-800-SABRINA. <laughs> <laughs> and, to, and to Dane Devolay for the original music. Why your screen scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. Oh my God. Oh my God. And cut. <laughs>